0: Well, good morning, everyone. I got to tell you, some of you look absolutely ridiculous today, and uh, I am so glad that I'm not one of them. Um, $4 at Walmart, baby, right here, all right? Guys, it's good to see you. Welcome to Fellowship of Faith. Today is, in fact, ugly Christmas sweater Sunday. Today is something more than that as well. We are looking at those amazing prophets and prophecies That spanned through Jesus' Bible, that looked forward to the day when he would come, that is the anchor for all of this stuff that we're doing here today. Now, um, growing up, I had the blessing and the curse of attending a Lutheran school and going to Sunday school every week. Those of you who are there, I don't even have to explain anymore, I'm seeing that. But those of you who who, who aren't following the track, it was a curse because of this. Um, It's amazing how stale curriculum and uninspired teachers can beat the love of God and the love of his scriptures out of you by the time you hear the same story for the umpteenth time presented in the exact same way. And I found myself in seventh grade and in eighth grade wanting nothing to do with religion class, despite the fact that I loved God. In fact, when it came time for me to go to high school, and my mom gave me the option of the local public school or the Lutheran school in our region, I picked the public school, hands down, because of two main reasons, really. One, I would never have to have religion class again. Doesn't God have a sense of humor? (laughs) And two, I would never have to have memory as a class or subject again. Don't I have a sense of humor, all right? (laughs) But you know, it really was a blessing in another way. And it wasn't a blessing that I realized until many years later. Because see, my virtue of hearing the same story umpteen times over and over, and over, and over again, I had it down. I didn't know I had it down. But it's like watching your favorite movie or your favorite TV show, where you're so immersed in it that you don't really realize you know it backwards and forwards to every fiber of its being. And so by the time I hit high school, these, these, these Bible stories, I just thought everyone knew them. I thought everyone was immersed in them and had them down. And it continued to be a revelation, and I will use that term, a revelation to me later in life when I realized that people who did not have the same experience as I had would look at some of these amazing Bible stories of ages past and say things like, that Elijah guy, who is he? Or this, now Exodus, what did he do? Exodus is a book, not a man, all right? And uh, that leads us to what we're going to do today. Today is Elijah. Elijah is the Michael Jordan of prophets. He did not invent the game, but he defined it forevermore. And the Christmas story is saturated in Elijah. I would go so far to say that you will not fully grasp what is happening at Christmas if you don't know Elijah. Now, by eighth grade, I had Elijah coming out of my pores. But I've realized through the course of my life that you may not. And so what we're going to do today is look at the story of Elijah. But we're going to do it in a different way than I normally do. Instead of me picking a a, a theological theme, a highlight verse, or a small section, I'm just going to read the story of Elijah to you and make some comments along the way because sometimes you just need to know the story. So I want to invite you to follow along. We're gonna be opening to 1 Kings chapter 17. The story of Elijah is found from 1 Kings chapter 17 to 19, and it picks up again later in 2 Kings 1 and 2. Now, the book of Kings recounts the story of David's line. If you were with us last week, you might remember we talked about how God came to this this young shepherd boy, the least of the least of the people of Israel, and selected him to be the future king of Israel. In 2 Samuel 7, God comes, and he makes this amazing, outlandish, radical promise to David. And he tells David, your house, your kingdom, your throne will last forever. Now, the book of Kings recounts the story of the line of David, the kings of the Davidic line that will follow him hence the name. But what we see over and over again is a refrain. There's a new king of David, a new new king in the line of David, and he, here's the quote, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And he dies, and a new king comes, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And this happens again and again
1: and again. How many times do you come face to face with evil, with disappointment, with broken promise, before you just give up hoping anymore? This is the story
0: of the king's. And so what God does is he raises up prophets, men and women to be his voice, spokesmen for God, and they come and they speak uh, God's word, and and, and they they exercise God's power, almost in lieu of, of the kings who were meant to carry forward this blessing. And we come
1: to Elijah in chapter 17, and here's the beginning of his story. Now Elijah the
0: Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab being one of the Davidic kings, the king reigning at the time, As Yahweh, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. See, Ahab had been doing evil in the eyes of the Lord, and it was time that God had to, with shock and awe, give him a sign of what was going to happen. And so Elijah is given power to shut the heavens from rain. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here. Turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. John the Baptist country. You will drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Careth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. One thing you'll see with the prophets of God and I will argue with the people of God is that God has an uncanny way of providing for them. I hear the Elijah story and it harkens back to me to the people of Israel being fed with manna in the morning and quail, another kind of bird coming and giving them meat in the evening. And here we see this 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 prophet who must feel alone, forced to give a sign that will affect him too. Because if there's no rain, it's not just the king who isn't eating. And so it begins almost with, honestly, it reminds me of Cinderella. You know, the birds and the squirrels and the mice are coming to sing and make dress. You know, the ravens are coming to feed because nothing gets in the way of God carrying out what he seeks to do through those he has chosen. Now, it goes on to say that sometime later, the brook dried up, well, because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of Yahweh came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon, north of Israel in a region of uh, Lebanon today, and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath where he came to the town gate, and a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And she was going to go get it. And he called, and please bring me a piece of bread. As surely as Yahweh, your God lives, she replied. I don't have any bread. There's a famine after all. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son
1: that we may eat it and not die and then die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Interesting to me that this is what the angels say all the time in the
0: Christmas story. They come to Zechariah, and they come to his wife Elizabeth. And the angel appears, and what do do you do in the face of an angel? Yeah, you you hit the ground. You you hit the dirt. Because when God opens up in front of you, right, do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have. And bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what Yahweh, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day that Yahweh gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of Yahweh spoken by Elijah. All I can tell you guys is that this story right here is something that I have found to be repeatedly true not only in other people's lives but also in my own. You look at your bottom line and you should be in the red, but you choose to trust God and miraculously things happen even in the most simple of ways. You don't know how you're going to make the next step and something is orchestrated that some might call coincidence, but the Bible might call something a bit more. And God has this uncanny way of leading us to trust him day by day but
1: in the details, and the minutia of it, providing. Now in verse 17, it says that sometime
0: later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come here to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied, and he took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to, the, to, to Yahweh, O Yahweh, my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to Yahweh, Oh Yahweh my God, let this boy's life return to him.
1: Yahweh heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived.
0: Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to
1: his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word
0: of Yahweh from your mouth is the truth. You see, prophets are conduits for God. Prophets are not only chosen and raised up by God, but they become God's conduit, his channel, his his instrument, if you will. God chooses to work through these people, and that work is often supernatural. You'll see throughout the prophets, God showing signs and wonders, showing his power, and it's something that continues even to today. We are blessed here today with some prophets that we'll be talking later on, some men of God doing some amazing ministry throughout the world, and to hear the stories about the visions they receive, the miracles that they see, and the way that God
1: works through them. This is not just stuff of 800 B.C. Now,
0: in chapter 18, it says that after a long time, in the third year, the word of Yahweh came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, who also has some press time in here, who was in charge of his palace. That's a rough job. Obadiah was a devout believer in Yahweh. While Jezebel was killing off Yahweh's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water, not an easy thing to do, particularly in a drought. Ahab had said to Obadiah, go through the land, to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules
1: alive so that we will not have to kill any of our animals. Dot, dot, dot and eat them. So they
0: divided the land that they were to cover, Ahab going in one direction and Obadiah in another. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground and said, is it really you, my
1: lord Elijah? Yes, he replied, go tell your master, Elijah is here.
0: What have I done wrong, asked Obadiah, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? As surely as Yahweh your God lives, there is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear that they could not find you.
1: But now you tell me, To go to my master and say, Elijah is here?
0: I don't know where the spirit of Yahweh may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped Yahweh since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of Yahweh? I hid a 100 of the Lord's prophets in two caves, 50 in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. But Elijah said, as Yahweh Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will
1: surely present myself to Ahab today. Not only are prophets conduits of God, they are the voice of God.
0: In fact, the primary way that God uses prophets and their primary purpose is not the miracles, as cool and wonderful and attention-grabbing as
1: they are. It's to be his voice. And interestingly, it's often to be his voice at personal threat to self. Do not glamorize the life of a prophet. It is a life that involves risking self every single day. And it's not just for them alone.
0: I love what Eli, what Matthew says, uh, Jesus
1: says to his disciples in Matthew. Just read it. Are you seeing a resonance of theology carrying through the prophets of God to
0: the prophet of God, the Christ? Prophets are the spokesmen of God even when they don't want to be, even when there is risk. To self. Now in verse 16, we come to one of the most famous stories. If you know anything about Elijah, it's probably this. And if you know nothing
1: a lot about Elijah, know this. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And
0: Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troublemaker of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah said. But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned Yahweh's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. 950 to 1. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how
1: long will you waver between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But as is so typical, the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to him, I am the only one of Yahweh's prophets left,
0: but Baal has 450. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of Yahweh.
1: The God who answers by fire. He is God. Okay, can we just put on the brakes for a minute?
0: Would you have the guts to do that? Do you not feel like if you tried something like that, you would, if I can use the proverb, be left there hanging with your pants down? Right? Do you feel like you would... Uh, and, and
1: the audaciousness of this prophet to do something like this. And so the people said, hey, we got to show what you say is good.
0: Elijah said to the prophets of Baal in verse 25, choose a bowl, prepare it. So many of you call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. And so they took it and they prepared it. Check this out. They called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal,
1: answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the
0: altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder,
1: he said, and you gotta hear this in the original tongue. Perhaps he is deep in thought or going to the bathroom, or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping
0: sleeping, and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and they start to cut themselves and slash themselves with swords and spears as was their custom and their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic
1: prophesying
0: until the time for the evening sacrifice.
1: But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here.
0: And they came, and they repaired the altar of Yahweh, which was in ruins. And Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of Yahweh had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of Yahweh, and he dug a trench
1: around it large enough to hold two siahs of seed. It's about three gallons. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood.
0: Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again. And they did it again. Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. Because we don't want any David Blaine happening here. And the water ran down around the altar, and it filled the trenches. And at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, Yahweh, God of Israel, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Yahweh, answer me, so these people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again then fire of Yahweh fell and burned up the sacrifice the wood the stones the soil and also licked up the water in the trench and when the people saw this they fell on their faces and they cried Yahweh he is God Yahweh he is God then Elijah commanded them Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. And they seized them. And Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered them
1: there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go. Eat and drink. For I hear the sound of heavy rain. Ahab went off, but Elijah climbed
0: to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees.
1: Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. Would you have quit at three? Seven times. And on the seventh, the servant reported. A cloud as small as a man's
0: hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain came on Ahab and rode off. uh, The wind rose, a heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of Yahweh came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Israel.
1: Prophets will often experience mountaintop moments. In
0: fact, I think it's this story here that defines our phrase mountaintop experience. Have you ever had a mountaintop experience? with the lord if you have you know what i mean when i
1: say nothing in this world compares to moments like those and if you haven't i pray
0: that you wait with patience and return to look out seven times
1: and wait for what the lord might deliver to you but have you found that mountaintops are often followed by the deepest of valleys.
0: Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one Of them. How is it that someone who experiences a sign and wonder of the living God still responds by making her oaths to the gods? How is it that when someone experiences the power and the reality of the living God, they continue to stick their head in the dirt and with stiff-necked, hard-hearted obstinence?
1: Reject and refuse what is right before their eyes. Has that been your experience with people? It's been mine. Jesus picks up on this later in the Gospels. He tells this parable about a rich man
0: and Lazarus. And, and they both die and, and Lazarus is taken up to Abraham's side and the rich man is down in the fires of hell. And he looks up to Lazarus saying, please, if you
1: would just send me a drop of cold water. To which the beings of heaven reply,
0: you had your chance in your time on earth and you were neglectful of this man Lazarus. And so he replies, then send someone to my five brothers because they are still alive and may they not experience what I'm experiencing today. If you will go to them, then maybe they will listen in turn. Do you know what Jesus says?
1: If they reject God's word, even if the dead rise from the grave, they will not be convinced How ironically telling that it's Jesus who said that. Now, Elijah was afraid. Because even when you discover and experience the power and might of God, fear and danger are still there.
0: And he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed. Have you ever prayed that? I have had enough, Lord. Take my life.
1: I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the tree, gave up. He fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, Get up, eat. He looked
0: around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water, and he ate and he drank and then lay down again. Tell me, would you be more likely to eat food delivered by a raven or food that mystically appears when you wake up the next morning? The angel of Yahweh came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much
1: for you? Have you ever felt that the journey is too much for you? Do you know that God agrees? God agrees. But oftentimes He doesn't pull us from the journey, but journeys with us along the way. So we got up and He
0: ate and He drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights
1: until he reached Horeb. That's Sinai, by the way. The mountain of God. And he went into a cave. And he spent the night. Prophets are rejected. Prophets suffer. Prophets may be the spokesmen of God and conduits of God, but prophets are rejected. And prophets suffer. People of God, can I tell you something this morning? You are the spokesman of God. You are his conduit. People of God are rejected. People of God suffer. It is not an if. It is a when. It is an inevitability of being a person of God. And the word of Yahweh came to him. What are you doing here in this cave, Elijah? And he replied, I have been zealous for you.
0: But Israel, your people, they've rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one
1: left who cares. Have you ever felt that way? The people of God don't care. The world has rejected its carnage in my path. I know you have felt that way. I have too. And now they're trying to kill me. But
0: Yahweh said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of Yahweh, for Yahweh is about to pass by. Now what happened the first time God passed by on Mount Sinai?
1: Moses, Ten Commandments. What did it look like then? Fire. Power. Thunder. Eruption. Glory. Might. Noise, fear, because when God
0: shows up, it's a powerful thing, isn't it?
1: And it says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before Yahweh, but Yahweh was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was
0: an earthquake, but Yahweh was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but Yahweh was not in the fire. And after the fire came, and I love how the King James puts it,
1: a still, small voice. A gentle whisper. A breath. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face And he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been zealous for you. But
0: the people of God have rejected you. They've broken down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. And Yahweh said to him, Go back the way you came. Go back to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shapheth from Abel, to succeed you as prophet. Because sometimes you just need some help. Yehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elijah will put to death any who escaped the sword of Yehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him, because it might feel like you're alone. But there are others. There are others, Elijah, just like you. And they may be few, and they may be far between. They may be underground. But you are not alone. I read the story of Elijah and so often don't you don't you wish you could experience the power of God in those mountaintop kind of ways Doesn't it seem like it would do something transformative to your life and your faith if you could see the mountains blowing up and the power of God coming down and and God scooping up sacrifices in the midst of challenge I mean Oh, that's the stuff you feel like you live for as a believer.
1: But I think of how God showed himself to Elijah in other ways. And how more often than not he shows himself to us today. Read these words from another prophet, a man named Paul. See, guys, I want to be Elijah on the mountaintop. I want to be strong and powerful and a conduit of the might of the Lord. But how often is God saying, my strength is sufficient. My power will be made perfect. And your strength? mm and your weakness. For every time God appears on a mountain in fire and glory,
0: how many hundreds of times is God speaking
1: in a still small voice? Now in verse 19 it says so
0: Elijah went up from there and found Elisha. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen because he was ripped And he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, which had to be a lot of meat, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Now let's flip to 2 Kings 1 and just read what
1: happens at the end. Ahab dies. It is an inevitability for those who boast of themselves in the face of the Lord.
0: Ahab dies. And Moab, seizing the opportunity, rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice of his upper room, and his children laughed at him. So he sent messengers saying to them, go and consult Baal Zabub. Funny, Jesus will use this as a name for Satan or devil later on. Baal, you hear Baal, Baal Zabub the Lord of the Flies, the God of Ekron, to see if I will recover from this injury. Because that's who I want to pray to and talk to when things are going bad. But the angel of Yahweh said to Elijah the Tishbite, go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, is it because there's no God in Israel that you're consorting the Lord of the Flies, the God of Ekron? Therefore, this is what Yahweh says, you will not leave the bed you are lying on. You also will die. Now, the messengers come back to the king, and he asked them, why have you come back? And they said, a man came to meet us. And they replied, um, well, you're dead. Verse 7, the king said, what kind of man was it who came to you and told you this? And they replied, he was a man with a garment of hair and with a leather belt around his waist. Have you ever read the, the New Testament, the story of John the Baptist and his description?
1: That has to be random. The king said, that was Elijah, the Tishbite.
0: And then he sent to Elijah a captain with a company of 50 men. The captain went up to Elijah, who was sitting on top of the hill, and he said, man of God, the king says, get down here. But Elijah answered, if I'm a man of God, may fire come and consume you and your 50 men. So fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain and his men. At this time, the king sent to Elijah another captain with his 50 men. The captain said to him, man of God, this is what the king says, come down at once. If I'm a man of God, Elijah replied, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. What happened? (laughs) So the king sent a third captain with his 50 men. Because sometimes we just never learn. The third captain went up and fell on his knees before Elijah. Man of God, I don't want to be here. He begged, please have respect for my life and the lives of these 50 men. See, I know fire is falling from heaven and the first two captains and all their men are gone. Have respect for my life. I'm just doing my job. The angel of Yahweh said to Elijah, go down with him. Don't be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down with the king. He told the king, This is what Yahweh says. Is it because there is no God in Israel for you to consult that you have sent messengers to
1: consult the Lord of the flies, the God of Ekron? Because you have done this, you will never leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. And so he
0: died according to the word of Yahweh that Elijah had spoken. And because Ahaziah had no son, Joram succeeded him as king in the second year. And as for all the other events, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? Well, I suppose they are because it says they are, but we don't have that book.
1: Now, here's where it ends, guys. And here's where I want you to hone in. Elijah never dies. The story concludes in chapter 2. When Yahweh was about to take Elijah up into heaven in a whirlwind. What? Elijah was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal.
0: Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. Yahweh has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, no, I won't leave you. So they went together. Now the company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked,
1: hey, he talks to you. You know that that Yahweh is going to take your master from you today? Yeah, I do. But I don't want to talk about it. Elijah said, stay here, Elisha. Yahweh is sending me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as Yahweh lives and as you live, I will not leave you.
0: So they went together, and the company of the prophets at Jericho went up again. Don't you know what's going to happen? Yeah, I do. I don't want to talk about it. Repeat. Verse 7, Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance. Facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped. And Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and kind of like a Red Sea experience, the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You've asked for a difficult thing, Elijah said,
1: but if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, sorry. As they were walking along, suddenly a chariot of fire
0: and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him
1: no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. Elijah never died. There's
0: actually only one other person I know of in human history who's experienced this. He's a guy
1: named Enoch. You'll find him in the beginning of Genesis. Elijah never died. And later biblical writers will make a lot of this. Because if he didn't die, the prophet can still speak. Now look at how the Old Testament closes
0: the very last words of the Old Testament say this.
1: That the day is going to come when God is going to return. But look at who's going to precede him. Elijah. The prophet. I kind of like to think about it as God's final
0: Hail Mary pass to a corrupt generation. His final, last Ditch attempt to send the Michael Jordan of prophets, who is still alive, who is privy to the counsel of God in his throne room, and so who can precede him and still speak. That
1: before the day comes, Elijah will lead the way. Now look at what Jesus says about John the Baptist. And in those days before Mary conceived, the angel of the Lord came to a priest named Zechariah, and he appeared to him in the temple and said, you will bear a son.
0: Your wife in her old age will bear a son, for nothing is impossible with God. He will go on in the spirit and power of Elijah, turning the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their
1: parents, preparing the way of the Lord. And six months later, an angel comes to a virgin named Mary to tell her of Christ the Lord. The Christmas story is saturated in the person and theology of Elijah. What does that tell you about Jesus? What is that day actually about?